Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock from MCG Quantity Surveyors. And today we are talking about changing your negotiation strategy based on current market conditions. Now we've got an absolute expert on board. It's time to welcome back Melinda Jennison to the podcast. We talk about how inexperienced buyers can understand whether they're in a hot or a balanced or a cooling market. Then we talk to her about her strategies for negotiating in under all of those conditions, whether it be a buyer's market or a seller's market or somewhere in between. I think this is a really critical podcast for anyone that's looking to purchase a property in the next little while or even within the next decade, to be honest. So if you find this of value, please share the podcast with anyone that you think might also get some value out of it today because I know I certainly did. Anyway, here's Melinda. Melinda Jennison, thanks for joining me back on Geared for Growth. Thanks for having me, Mike. Good to be back. I wonder, is this maybe your second, third, fourth start? Probably could be four. Oh, I, I, I can't remember. It's it's a couple of uh, previous episodes and I think we've tackled different topics at different times, <laughs> but um, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. You're a podcast favourite and, and the topic today I think sits really neatly in your wheelhouse and that's changing negotiation strategies based on current market conditions. Now, the first question I have for you might sound a little bit silly, but how do you tell what the market conditions are, right? We're getting all sorts of messages from the media and there are markets within markets. So if you're not familiar and you haven't bought five or six properties, how do you go, oh, okay, I think the market is red hot? It's a really good question and I do think that a lot of people rely on the media or they're definitely um, influenced by the media and what the media are saying. So, you know, as buyers agents, we are in the market regardless of whether the market is a seller's market, a normal market, a buyer's market, and we can see what is happening on the ground during different types of market conditions. Now, if it's a seller's market, it simply means there's a lot more buyers than sellers and therefore um, there's a lot of competition out there in the market. So that's generally defined by a lot of people turning up to open homes, multiple offers going forward on properties, multiple people bidding at auction here in Queensland, multiple registered bidders at auction. Um, and strong auction clearance rates. Now, the opposite of that is a buyer's market. That's when buyers are in control. Um, and in that instance, usually there's more buyers than sellers. So in, in that type of market, there's fewer people turning up to open homes. Um, there's fewer people registering for auctions. Generally, days on market trends to, or tends to be longer. Um, so we see more properties sitting on the market for longer because the gap between buyers and sellers is wider. And therefore, there's different types of negotiation that you can do in that market because there's a higher potential that you might be the only buyer that's putting forward an offer. And therefore, there's an opportunity to talk with the seller to meet somewhere in the middle. Mm. And there's there's probably some easy indicators for people as, as well. Like if you are going to an open home and there's a line down the block, that's a pretty good indication. Or if you're the only person there or you could tell the agent has invited their mum <laughs> or you know their <laughs> family members that just sort of look a little bit similar, that might be a soft market. Is there anything else that, that can indicate where you're sitting? 
Yeah, it's a it's a good point that you raise because I always talk about rainy cold Saturdays here in Brisbane, which is where I'm based. And anytime you're turning up to an open home and there's people lining up to get in with umbrellas, you know that we're in a strong market for the product type. Um, look, I think that if you if you're entering the market at a particular point in time, um, you won't have a reference for what's considered, you know, a hot market or a slow market because you don't know how many people, you know, turning up would be considered a seller's market or a buyer's market. Um, but I think that if you're finding that the properties that you're looking at are well attended and the agent is um, putting some time pressure on you to put an offer in fairly quickly, you know that um, in that type of market, it's more likely that the sellers are in control. If the agent's putting less urgency on you as a buyer, then generally you know that um, it's more likely to be a buyer's market. Um, you generally have more time to make big purchasing decisions when buyers are in control. So, you know, for people that are not in the market and they don't know how to read those indicators, I think talking to the agent around, you know, how many people have you had turning up to the open home? Um, how many offers are you expecting? Those sorts of questions can help you to unpack some information about what sort of market you're in and therefore how you might um, proceed in terms of a negotiation strategy if it is a property that's of interest to you. Now, I, I'm interested to know when it comes to buying in a soft market or a, or a balanced market or a hot market, are you the sort of person that would only buy in a certain market? Um, but I'm also kind of thinking, here I am asking a second question within one question and I, I promised myself I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, you know, like there, there are times where people just need to move house, right? Whether it's a soft balanced or a hot market, they, they, they've got to move, right? Do, do you sort of relish the opportunity in tra transacting one or the other or, you know, do, do you kind of think there's, there's, there's deals and there's negotiation leverage that I can use no matter what's going on? It's a great question and I think that you're referencing the psychology of buyers because we represent buyers. So what we find is that when we're in a bull market or a really hot market, that's when we're busiest because buyers like to um, ensure that they're not going to miss out. So there's a lot more FOMO in a market that is growing in value very quickly. The reality is that when you're buying in that type of market, you're really having to stretch to acquire um, a quality property because the competition is so high. Now, the opposite is that, you know, going against that herd mentality, buying when a lot of other people are fearful, when consumer confidence is low, when people um, think that the property market's likely to crash, that is the sort of market where there are very, very good buying opportunities and opportunities where you do get to negotiate and potentially purchase something without competition. So the psychology of a buyer's mindset can really have an influence on you know, what they do in different market conditions and, and how likely it is that they're going to buy well versus mm. overpaying. Um, you know, we buy in all types of markets, whether it's a, a seller's market or a buyer's market. However, how we assist our clients in different types of markets has to change. We have to pivot. Our approach is very different in a seller's market compared to a buyer's agent, uh, sorry, compared to a buyer's market, um, simply because we cannot negotiate when there's a lot of competition. Um, we have to get ahead of the market and find opportunities that are either off market. Um, but again, there's not a lot of bargains off market when we're in a strong seller's market as well. So people just need to understand, you know, buying quickly 
when it's a seller's market, when values are growing very quickly month to month, makes sense. And that's where a buyer's agent adds value in that type of market. Whereas in a market that's a slower moving market or even a market that is declining, buying well, focusing on um, negotiating for the best possible price and only purchasing quality assets becomes a lot more important. So our role does pivot um, and our skill set, I guess we, we change to different skill sets in different types of markets. So, you know, ensuring that our clients always get the best outcome. Awesome. And I'm a huge advocate of buyer's agents, no matter what the market, you have a trade craft and a skill set that is able to be applied no matter what's going on. And it tr- generates tremendous value to owner occupiers and investors alike. I want to, I want to get some of some of the insights in the way that you purchase and negotiate in the different market types, you know, whether it be a buyer's market, a seller's market or something balanced. Let's start with, um, how would you categorise the market in your backyard at the moment in Brisbane? And let's start with that one. It's a good question. So um, I would have said back in July, we were definitely in a buyer's market. There were some really good um, purchasing opportunities when there was a motivated seller. I think we're transitioning now into more of a balanced market. The big difference here in Brisbane compared with the likes of Sydney and Melbourne is that we have total listing volumes that are still 25% below our long-term average. So we have suppressed supply. There's not a lot available to buy. So whilst we acknowledge that the rising interest rate environments, the inflationary pressure and the, the, you know, diving consumer confidence has definitely dampened demand. It hasn't dampened demand enough to cause property uh, price crashing. So, you know, I would say right now we're in a balanced market in Brisbane. We are seeing some opportunities where there is a motivated seller. Um, We've certainly seen some of those types of, of opportunities in the last two to three months where people may have purchased elsewhere, but, you know, they have to sell. Therefore, they were willing to meet the market, whatever the market was prepared to pay. But we've also, we're seeing days on market um, increase. So for quality properties where there's no motivation to sell and people don't have to sell, um, if the buyers aren't meeting the seller's expectations, it's simply, you know, a property that doesn't sell. So that doesn't even become part of the median data trends. So I think it's important for people to understand the composition of what is actually selling, why it is selling, and that helps to unpack the story around what might be happening to median data trends in a particular location. That's a very good point because I guess you would probably be in quite a buyer's market if listing volumes were at or above their traditional average. But because there's so little stock, it's 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 adding a little bit of fire to it. But l- let's let's run with that balanced market idea. How do you how do you negotiate or change your style to to negotiate in a balanced market? The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximise their claims and maximise their property education as well. Look, in a balanced market, it's understanding the motivation of the seller, which in my opinion is is the most important thing to uncover. And there's different ways to do that. Um, you know, you don't just ask the seller, well, 
uh, the, the agent or why are they selling? But there's different questions that you can ask to extract that type of information. You know, oh, I have the sellers purchased elsewhere. Are they staying in Brisbane? Um, you know, what's their motivation for selling? Um, I think when it comes to negotiating in a more balanced market, you need to get an understanding of how much competition there is for that particular product. Because even though we might call a market a balanced market, you might find that some types of properties have no demand or very low demand, and yet other types of properties are still very high demand properties. So getting an understanding of what the buyer demand is on the specific property of interest is absolutely critical because you can't go in thinking, oh, this is my strategy. I'm going to you know, put my offer in here and the seller's going to counter me and we're going to meet in, in the middle. Um, that's not that's not clever thinking, especially if there's going to be five other people putting an offer in alongside you. So one, understand the motivation of the seller, but also understand what is the demand um, from buyers for that particular property, because it's only at that point that you can devise a plan in terms of well, what is the approach to, to try and secure this property. And of course, we're talking about private treaty sales where there is the potential to negotiate What's different here in Queensland with our legislation um, for the real estate industry is as soon as there is um, more than one written offer presented to a seller, it becomes a process um, whereby multiple offers um, are, are issued or, or received and there's, there's a specific process that's followed and it becomes a blind auction or a, or a Dutch auction where no one really gets to see what anyone else is um, likely to pay and an agent will set a deadline around when offers are closing. It's never a pleasant situation to be in. So I guess it's understanding, you know, what is the process that the agent is going to um, follow for the campaign? Is it likely that there's going to be multiple offers on the property? Um, and those, that information comes from conversations with the agent. I think a lot of buyers go to open homes and they don't say anything and they don't ask questions, um, but that can often put them in a situation which is um, not advantageous. Now that's a, a really interesting point where you're kind of saying, look, in a, in a balanced market, there's, there's, there's cold and there's hot, right? Here I am thinking mm. that it's a very binary sort of situation, maybe, maybe trinary, because we, <laughs> we, we weren't <laughs> saying hot and cold, we were saying hot and cold and lukewarm. But, uh, yeah, it depends on the property, right? So you could have mm. a really, really weak market, but this is a street where it's blue chip, very few things come up. You know, maybe the last property for sale in that street was six years ago. So you're going to have a really hot negotiation in what could be a, a, a very soft market. Let, let's talk about soft markets where there's the implication that all the power resides with the buyers. How would you negotiate when you know that this is – this is a property let, that let's say an investor client of yours really likes and really wants and it fits their brief and you know that the agent is is struggling with this property. How do you go for the jugular in that situation? It's a great question. I, I Coming from a research background, my personal approach is to be really objective in negotiations. So, you know, I will always um, ask an agent to provide evidence of sales that support the value that their seller might be looking for. Um, and of course, as a buyer's agent, we've always done our sales analysis to understand where the value lies. Um, now, I'll also be a little bit brutal sometimes and use uh, median data to our advantage um, and use median data trends and, and let agents know that, well, this, this market is a declining market. We need to factor in the price losses that, you know, the media that, that's showing in the data and therefore what that property might have been worth three months ago may not be the same. And I know that that's just a tool that I use for negotiation because 
the reality is that um, every type of property, you know, has has its different, um, you know, growth pattern. And you can't say that a property that sold three months ago is now worth, you know, 2% less than it was three months yeah. ago. So I'm very objective in the approach that I would take in making sure that the agent can justify the amount that they're asking for or the amount that their seller is looking for. Um, and I will then, you know, use comparable sales to talk down the value of that property on behalf of our client. But it does really come back to what I mentioned previously about understanding the motivation of the seller, because it's no use entering those types of um, conversations. If you've got a seller with unrealistic expectations of the value of their property, you're just wasting time. Mm. And sometimes those sellers need to sit on the market for longer. So as a buyer, you have to be prepared to either wait or walk away because I think a lot of buyers, um, got, especially over the last 18 months, um, a lot of buyers became very familiar with FOMO and having to move very quickly. We don't have to do that anymore. So it's pulling the handbrake on when there is an opportunity to do so um, in the event that there's no other competition for that particular property um, and letting the seller stew on, you know, the offer that they've got um, and putting timeframes in place so that they do have to make a decision about your offer, but being prepared to walk away if they don't accept. Yeah, and I'm guessing that there's often a, a gap between the market realities and the expectations of that owner. And in a declining market, they're probably looking three months prior, which is often where we get that data from. And I really love the fact that if that agent was just to sort of read any of your blogs or listen to your podcast, they would probably come back to you with all the reasons why median data is is not <laughs> applicable. But but you're quite happy to use that uh, on behalf of your client to negotiate. That's that's where um, I talked about the the trade craft of you buyers agents before. That's very impressive. <laughs> let's uh, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. It's a hot market and you've got a property that matches your buyer's brief and you know that there's, there's going to be offers, there's going to be interest on it. How do you leverage your offer and, and your buyer's will to secure the property to try and beat those people? First and foremost, it comes down to speed, turning the due diligence around understanding the market, um, being confident in your price analysis, because in a hot market, things sell very, very quickly. So um, in the last 18 months, we've seen this across a lot of areas around Australia um, post COVID. Um, there was just so many, so much buyer activity that, um, you know, there was more than one buyer for every property. So you have to be prepared to put an offer forward very, very quickly. Um, second thing is that you really need to also understand outside of price, what are the motivations of the seller? So price drives a lot of decisions for people when they sell. Um, obviously, they're going to be very attracted to a high price. Um, we last year used um, some tactics whereby we would cast doubt in a sales agent's mind um, around um, people that had finance clauses that were putting in very high offer prices um, because we were casting doubt over the fact that um, the comparable sales won't match that and therefore it's going to fall over on finance, whereas our offer with the supporting data um, is a more solid offer. So in a uh, fast-moving market, in a seller's market, terms do matter. Um, so you can use those terms to your advantage. If you understand the seller's motivation, most people want certainty of sale. 
tightening up those terms as a buyer can make a really big difference even outside of price. So I think that you've got to understand the motivations um, of the seller and prepare your offer very quickly um, so that you are in a position to compete um, in a turnaround time that might be only a matter of days. And in fact, last year we saw turnaround times from listing to, to sale occur in less than 24 hours in some instances, it was that fast throughout Brisbane. Yeah, wow. And and, and what I think a lot of people don't realise is that the highest price doesn't always win, right? It comes down to the way that offers presented, the terms, even the questions that the person asks. Like if they're pointing out defects rather than saying, oh, it looks like we can fix this by just doing blah, blah, blah. Is that right? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's a different different kind of rhetoric, isn't it? It is. And I think there was a lot of buyers taking a lot of risks last year. And, you know, in any seller's market, that's what happens because buyers get desperate. There's a lot of fear of missing out. Um, they will stretch to, to limits that are beyond their comfort level and beyond the value of the property because they just don't want to miss out. Uh, but the reality is that that's not always necessary. And um, we would never recommend people take risks um, and people were dropping building and pest conditions and, you know, not actually doing the necessary due diligence on properties just because they did not want to miss out. Whereas I think making sure that you are really confident with the buying decision based on all of the due diligence being completed, understanding the value and knowing when to walk away, that becomes critical so that you don't get caught up um, in a market where there is a lot of FOMO and a lot of competition. Yeah, knowing when to walk away is is key and having sort of someone that does it day in, day out and can remove that emotional side of it from the decision is really important. Let's go to your top three tips for changing your strategies on negotiation based on the market conditions. My top tip is, and I've mentioned it a few times, it's understanding the seller's motivation. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, I don't always like to get wrapped up in the other side's position in terms of, you know, if we've presented an offer and there's a counter offer that's being presented, I'm less concerned about the the amount of that counter offer. I'm more concerned to dig deeper to understand the reasons why that counter offer might have come in around that and also understanding the motivation as to why they might consider their property to be worth that much. Um, so understanding the motivation of the seller and that comes through having deeper conversations with agents. Um, and an example of that is that, you know, for example, if you receive a counter offer that's a lot higher than where your original offer was, but the agents mentioned, you know, they want to cover the cost of, um, you know, temporary accommodation because they've not yet purchased. I don't think about the price. I think about the seller has a problem that we can solve through our offer. And therefore, we can start a discussion around extended set settlement periods, which provides the seller with more assurity. We can start a discussion around um, uh, temporary rent backs or short-term rent backs to provide a solution for the seller. So that's my um, number one tip. Understand the motivation of the seller and position your offer accordingly. Awesome. Number two? Number two, be objective in your negotiations. Don't let emotion get involved. <laughs> that's a trick. It's an easy thing to say. It's a tricky one, right? But that's where buyers agents are, are gifted in that. All right, what's your final one, Melinda? Final one, be prepared to walk away or be prepared to um, handbrake the negotiations and wait. I think you've shared some absolutely awesome tips today and I think really for anyone that's about to purchase a property themselves, I 
I would I would love anyone that's listening to to send this through to them because I think it could save them a lot of heartache and and perhaps a lot of hard earned as well. Melinda, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Mike. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. <laughs>